Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business One podcast. Uh, today, I'm joined with Sipair, um, who is currently, uh, well, previously was a part of B1, um, and now is involved in uh, MMI, I believe, as well, um, and has many other things going on in life, including tutoring, a um, bit of a Twitter presence as well, which we'll go through as well. Um, and he's looking to go into management consulting, which he has a grad offer. Um, so we'll run through a few things, but first of all, um, I'll just get an intro from you, Sabah. Um, thanks for the introduction. First of all, I'll probably say that uh, saying that I have a bit of a Twitter presence is probably a bit of a misleading comment. I have probably, you'd probably get more followers than me if you just signed up on Twitter within like 20 minutes. But um, oh, yeah, man. so after, after this podcast, you'll get a, a bunch more followers, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just put me, put me down below. Um, sure. Yeah, but uh, my name's Sapir. I'm a fourth year university student at the University of Melbourne. I'm studying a Bachelor of Commerce. In fact, I just graduated my Bachelor of Commerce and I'm also doing a diploma in computing on the side, um, which I'm going on exchange for uh, next semester or in a couple of months to the University of Toronto to complete. Um, so like I said, um, or like, sorry, to that said, um, I've been relatively involved in uni, um, for my second year, I joined B1. And, um, as you also mentioned, I was involved with, uh, MMI, which is the Melbourne microfinance initiative. I also was really lucky to get a quite wide range of work experience over my university experience. So I, I worked in, um, Deloitte at the end of my second year, uh, in their strategy and operations team. And um, last summer, I was also very lucky to intern with uh, Airwalks, a strategy team after working with their ops team like full time for six months. Um, so that was a fantastic experience. And, um, you know, I, I, in general, I think it's really uh, spurred my love for startups and, and businesses. And um, that's a space which um, is really interesting, which is partly why I'm uh, kind of so interested in um, Twitter because there's so many smart people talking about excellent ideas there and um, yeah as you mentioned you know I, I love um, businesses and and thinking about how businesses create impact and how executives make really tough decisions and so that's um, really led me down the path of um, consulting um, so yeah that, that's pretty much me and I'm keen to talk about my experiences more. That's a lovely intro um, Thank you. but no first of all I'll probably go down um, uh, your starting years. So yep. first you interned at Deloitte um, and then you went off to Airwallex um, yep. or uh, is that tied with Affinda or? Um, yeah, so Affinda is like completely different. So right now, uh, I should have said this, but right now at university, um, so I'm in my last semester. So I'm tutoring at university. Yep. I'm tutoring two subjects and I'm also working as a casual at an AI consulting firm called Affinda. Um, they're completely disconnected. So I just got a new job at Airwallex um, because I wasn't going to go back as a grad and I um, didn't want to stay full-time because I was studying still. Um, it was probably wasn't yeah. the right choice. And since you're currently at um, Affinda um, yeah. and having had the experience from Deloitte and Airwallex, yeah. is there any things that you think have kind of given you the experience that you needed um, to, to do well in your current role? Um, I think like definitely on, especially on the hard skill front, um, it's definitely been helpful. Um, it, it, it has meant that, especially as a casual, oftentimes casuals just aren't hired because they provide very minimal value 
um, because you, you honestly need to spend more effort onboarding them and teaching them what to do than the actual value they provide. And honestly, like you think about the casual who works 10 to 15 hours, you might as well just do that extra work yourself in probably twice the speed that they would and rather than hire them and pay them. Um, but in my case, because, you know, these really basic skills that a lot of people know how to do, right? I know how to make slides, I know how to do research, I know how to, um, you know, kind of drive my own area of, um, even presenting my own part of a, a client presentation. And that's something which is obviously as a result of me at university, it's a result of me having some experience at Deloitte, as you mentioned, having just the general ability to think about these problems, which all of my experiences uh, broadly taught me. And so, yeah, I would say that, um, that that's something that they valued and they thought that I could develop independently in this role. They didn't really have to micromanage me, which is um, yeah helpful, like I said, for a casual. Yeah, so like analytic skills, uh, research skills, those kind of skills that you learn exactly. um, in any kind of internship role or, or that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'm mm. sure from Airwallex would be a, a nice startup experience. But um, that kind of leads me to, do you see a, what kind of shift do you see between a corporate environment like Deloitte um, and a startup environment like Airwallex, Finder? Um, do you see many big differences? and what do you mm. think of those differences? It's a really good question. I, I would say um, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. There's a lot of different dimensions to look at it. The, the, the main way I would look at it and probably the biggest difference is how you, what you think about and how you think. And um, I, I may be broadly incorrect. In fact, I might get um, probably roasted by some people who are you know, working corporate. Um, but in general, I would say that the role of especially consultants is to find something that works well or has been shown to likely work well in the future right so it's not necessarily reapplying something that's worked before but it's something which is widely researched and has evidence that's going to work and to to find a way to, to present that to a client um that is not what you know a startup is doing that by definition a startup is you know, a company that's doing something new. And so it, this kind of goes back to that question about, you know, why isn't a milk bar a startup, for example? And it's because a milk bar isn't doing something new usually, right? So a milk bar is copying a business model, which has been known to work. And that oftentimes is the role of, you know, a, a corporate like Deloitte when they go in to help a company. Um, it's, just, it's honestly, I think I would say a Finder's probably somewhere in the middle because a Finder's role is, yes, they do want to apply, you know, AI solutions that have been known to work in the past, AI software and, and all these things, but they're also trying to do it on the front of technology, which is rev revolutionary and it's kind of ever-changing. And so that's a little bit different. And I would say it's actually more like it, it's a good middle ground between startups and, um, and corporates. But in general, I would say that what people are drawn so much to by startups or what you should be drawn to is the ability to think about ideas that have never been kind of used before or, or been used quite um, newly, I guess, is, is, is difficult because it's really hard to actually make hypotheses or to even understand what's going on when there's no baseline of comparison where, where you're actually thinking about you know, you can't just Google the solution to a, to a question. Whereas if you're looking at a some of these typical questions which company deals with, these are problems which are dealt with hundreds of times on a daily basis, right? And so you have, that, that's one of the biggest value of these corporates or consultants that they they bring in so much experience because they've dealt with other companies before. And so um, it, it's, it's a bit of a different way of thinking, but, um, you know, it, it's a very interesting thing to talk about. And you can look at it on a number of other dimensions. You could talk about how are the people different? How are the, yeah. how's the culture different? And um, how's your progression different? Um, all really interesting points to talk about.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the traditional and kind of uh, modern approach um, that you've obviously touched on, uh, there are many big differences. Uh, but what kind of situations do you think a startup would uh, take or, or put themselves in where they have to go out and get some consulting experience from Deloitte or um, an investment bank or something like that? Uh, yep. What kind of situations do they have to outsource that instead of keeping it in-house from people like yourself? Um, it's a, it's a fantastic question again. Like, um, it, and this is actually something I've asked both to consultants and I've also asked this to startups because it's, it's, a, it's an excellent question in general, um, with consulting, I think, first of all, consultants are very expensive. Um, so That's startups true. are strapped for cash. They oftentimes have people who are paid to think in a startup and oftentimes if you're in a startup you're paid to think right it doesn't matter who, who you are it doesn't matter if you're a pm it doesn't matter if you're a strategy it doesn't matter if you're a ceo whatever you, you know you, your job is to think about these critical issues um i would argue perhaps more so than in a corporate um so that's the first thing that it's it is very expensive for, for i think for banking you, you mentioned that quickly i think that's a completely different question i think you, you need you know whether it be a big bank or a small bank whatever you if you need money you need yeah, someone you have to help you do that yeah, exactly. Right. So you, you um, obviously you have your strat teams, you know, helping you prepare for IPOs and, and driving strategy from that end. But when it comes to raisings and stuff like that, my, my assumption would be that you, you need to outsource it. For my, my, my general broader answer to the question is that if you're looking at when you need a consultant and specifically in a startup, a few situations come to mind. The first is when you actually believe that it's just not worth taking on the extra headcount. So for example, if it's a six month project and you know for a fact that, oh, for example, even if it's like a one-month project, you really need to understand what the market looks like, what the competitors look like, but you don't want the extra headcount of hiring a new strategy analyst just to do that. Well, yeah, that's so. something nice that you could outsource, right? Uh, and that's actually, you know, we talk about B1. That's one of the places where B1 can be helpful, where, you know, you know for a fact that this is pretty much supplemental to your team. It doesn't really integrate that well, and you just don't want to take on an extra headcount. Consultants are pretty helpful for that. Um, and... The, the second point would probably be that where you need specific subject matter expertise that your analysts don't have. So for example, this goes back to the original point, consultants have a lot of subject matter or industry expertise where they can draw upon a lot of previous client work that they've done. Oftentimes not really in startups, to be honest, which is which is a huge concern, but um, but they can draw upon that. And if and an example doesn't even come to mind, but if you do need that expertise that comes with experience where simply your team does not have that, well, that's something which um, an external consultant or, you know, we don't even have to talk about it as like a consulting firm. You talk about it as an advisor yeah. or whatever it is uh, can bring to the table. Yeah, no, the very good points. Um, I think that's a massive issue that a lot of startups face. Um, and also consultants want to bring more clients in. So um, yeah, and I think it's a great it's, way it's, to break it down. It, it's a, it's an interesting, like, and I think it's not even just startups. I think it's corporates. There are a lot of, um, startups and corporates which are very for consultants and they're, they're corporates which hate consultants right and that it's an interesting like i think elon musk is probably one of the biggest ones where he just he's not a fan of mbas he's not a fan of um kind of that way of doing things there are a lot of um you know and well it's one of the biggest things that shocked me was that the entire strategy team was pretty much ex-consultants um xmbb xt2 consultants and and you know there's and they're very very smart people they're doing an excellent job so um there's there's a lot to be said about either thing. I think at the end of the day, 
it goes to show that there's a lot of different ways of learning the same set of skills, right? And, and so, yes, you can be a consultant. You can also be a bad consultant. You could also not be a consultant and still have the same set of skills as a, a really good consultant. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not about just the job that you have. It's about what you bring to the table. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, and then you did mention MBB. Um, and you do have a great offer at the moment to go to McKinsey. Um, so the main question, I think, um, it's a bit of a 180 flip from the startup side uh, into the traditional. Why, why, would you, um, why did you um, make the decision to go into McKinsey? And um, what are the driving factors behind that decision? Yeah. Um, so I think there are a lot of reasons why in general people would go, which I agree with. Um, so, you know, I think it, there's pretty good progression. I think you get really good exposure. I think the work by and large is, is pretty interesting or at least much more interesting than many of the other alternatives. The biggest reason why I would say I chose it specifically over the, for example, startups is that um, I very much learn and enjoy working with very smart people and because that motivates me to just work hard, but also just to, to, to learn a lot from them. And, um, you know, I think that's probably one of the, the key reasons why uh, I'm able to do anything well is because I have good role models around me. And, and yeah, like I said, good people to learn from, even perhaps more so than the work I do. And so um, I would say that that's the, the thing with startups is that first of all, that the point of being in a startup is, it, I don't want to say any black and white statements here, but, but the point of being in a startup is that you need to get stuff done, not to learn. And so your learning is not prioritized in a corporate where it's much more structured, it's much more organized, they invest in your learning and development. They have specific programs which are designed to train you. And by the way, that's not something which is just internal. That's something which when an employer looks at the fact that you worked at this firm, they know that, um, well, you've been through pretty much the rounds at this firm. They know that you've been through the training programs and so they know that you're, you almost have like another a degree by your name when yeah. you do that. Um, perhaps that's even more so important than your degree. Um, and so, um, I've kind of strayed away from the point about the, the, the people, the, the last point and probably maybe the biggest point that I would mention about startups is that um, the, the oftentimes people at startups are slightly older. And so, like I said, I don't just like to learn from people. I like to learn from people who are similar to myself, who are in a similar position. And you have massive grad cohorts in, in these firms. You don't really have that in startups. And, and that's for a good reason, because you don't want to hire a bunch of grads in the startup like i said your job is to get stuff done you're going to get a higher return on hiring experienced people um but for me um especially at my time at airwalks i could not attest enough to how interesting the work was there how lovely the culture was but i felt like it was an opportunity which i would like to pursue maybe three to five years downtime because i would have learned more and i feel like i would have interacted more with people who are in the same shoes as me which i didn't feel i had as much of at airwalks so um yeah bottom line i think the biggest reason is the people and and meeting very very switched on people um who are, who are motivated to help you out and um that, that's probably what um made the decision easy for me yeah i think the point you made about the lawn the learning opportunities um i mean the 100 hour work weeks are going to be yeah. going to hell and back um but i definitely hope the 100 uh, hours i'll probably i'll probably have to quit if that's a hard, if that's actually <laughs> no, no i'm i'm sure you're you're uh you got the strength to go through that. Um, but um, basically, I just wanted to know, um, as a whole, your decision to go to McKinsey is based on the learning experience. It's not based on um, 
kind of any other metrics. A lot of people go from the money. A lot of people go through status because um, you've already gone through the startup route. You've had a look at that. A lot of people go into uh, MBB, into consulting, and then go to the startup route. But you've yep. already had a taste of it. So you, yep. have, you already know kind of what to expect um, yep. when you come out of consulting. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really good point that you made. Yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of two points that I make here. The, the first thing is that um, you mentioned money. Like, I think a common mistake, um, banking, consulting, tech, whatever it is, is that people optimize for pay at the start of their career. And, and, and I'm going to start by prefacing that, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think there are a lot of people who, you know, like even my situation, you know, I, I want to be completely financially independent. I don't want to. And so in that respect, a lot of people judge people for thinking about pay absolutely shouldn't judge people for that um if you're thinking broadly about pay you know you're you're looking at the first two to three years of your career how much value is that going to add to you you, to your your net worth in say 30 years time right it doesn't actually add that much to you and if you think about how much a consulting firm which you know it pays incremental to a startup or something like that it's it's there there is there's probably a pay gap but it's not that much and People often overemphasize, you know, the need to, to get that, extract that payout. But you, you don't realize that if you actually extract a valuable learning experience out of working at, say, a, a company that's more fit for you, right? And you don't waste your time at a company which you know that you don't enjoy. And that could be in banking, consulting, tech, work, startup, whatever it is. You're actually going to maximize your long-term earning potential far more than if you were to go to one of these high-paying firms. That's one of the yeah. biggest mistakes which students have because they just see the price tag on the contract and they're like, "Wow, this is lovely! Like, I'm going to make so much money as a grad." How much money you make as a grad is almost certainly useless, right? Yeah, it's almost certainly going to blind you from the fact that you actually need to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's the first point. I think the second point is that, yeah, I was very lucky to get experience in a startup. Um, first of all, like anyone, if they are interested in it, should definitely, you know, go reach out to startups, talk to people. And opportunities are definitely there, right? They're always looking to hire switched on passionate people. Um, but, you know, there's nothing that should stop you from going to a startup as a grad. Um, it again has to do with why do you want to do it? And, and in my case, and it was my specific situation, I felt that going into a corporate first would be more fitted towards me. And then I would have the experience and the knowledge to maybe start something after myself or, or go into something else. But you don't have to do that, right? And it, it's almost like, you know, a lot of people who they even have startup ideas themselves and they ask a question like, oh, should I do a few years at a consulting firm or a banking company? Um, and then and then make my own startup. It's like, well, if you have such a great idea, time isn't unlimited. Like, why don't you just go try it out? And then, yeah, who knows? If you fail at it, banks will always exist, right? You can always work in the bank. You can always work in a consulting firm. But that's um that's probably one of the points i would tell to especially people who are in the earlier part of their degrees that's that's really good i think a lot of leaders have also made that a similar point um that you know all these traditional class would always exist um a lot of people you see now they're steve jobs elon musk um even heads of banks um they've gone through different routes and then ended up to where they are because of the learning opportunities and the risks they take and i think that's a really good takeaway that you've given um, that's right yeah exactly just switching into the uh the, the present moment um yeah. uh, you, you need to have a lot of mental stability um and just ambition to kind of um be able to balance all of these things because i uh, you do a lot of tutoring i think you choose two subjects yeah. um you're working at the moment you're studying 
um, and you're applying to all these all these firms. Um, is there any takeaways or, or anything you want to give to the audience regarding uh, work-life balance um, and balancing the uni with work? Um, anything along those lines? Um, yeah, so I think it's a hard point because I'm not going to lie. Like my life is definitely not organized. There's uh, nowhere near as organized as I want it to be, or perhaps some other people are. My two tips would be, first of all, there is, um, there is no need to be perfect. And um, one of the common problems with, especially social media, LinkedIn, everything is that you, you get this perception from people who claim that they're perfect, that, you know, you should wake up at six, you know, uh, you should have a schedule out for the day. And in the case of, you know, applying for jobs, you should be doing this, 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 you should be doing study 40 hours a week, and you should be working from this to this. And like, it's just ridiculous because that's not the way humans work. And out of all the people that I know, no one does that, right? Um, you know, I, you know, obviously, you know, I was very lucky to get a grad role. I had to prepare for that. But like the, um, the amount of sleep I would get on some of these weeks, like, it would be all over the place. And it's not even that I didn't get a lot of sleep. I would sometimes like go to sleep at like four, wake up at 11 and stuff like that. And if you told someone that, they'll be like, like, what's with your sleep schedule? Like, don't you have interviews? Don't you have to, it's like, yeah. Like you'd ideally like to change that. But one of the biggest problems is actually not the people are imperfect. It's that people often feel bad about that because of other people telling them that. They'd, other people tell them that, you know, you need to fix your sleep schedule. You need to get better nutrition and you need it. And it's like, obviously you want to make all of this better for yourself. But probably one of the biggest points is that it's okay if you get rejected a few times, right? Like last year I applied to firms um, you know, for a various bunch of reasons. I didn't um, get through because I wasn't in my final year either. But like it, it, a lot of people will just take that, take that hit personally. It's like, you just weren't ready at that time. Try again next time, right? Get feedback, move on, be a mature person. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things where it's important to think about, you know, you as a person beyond the, the offer, right? Because it doesn't mean anything. Um, realistically, what you're trying to do is you're trying to just improve yourself over time. And that's something which will only happen if you admit to yourself that, you know, so, along the way, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to wake up and you'll be like, I'm going to do 19 hours of case prep today. And then I'm going to be able to interview for the firm tomorrow. Like that's not the way it works. And you're going to trip up. I know that was a very long answer. My second point is that um, above all, I, a lot of people will say time management. A lot of people will say organizing yourself. It's all important, right? Um, you'll hear that tip everywhere. For me, the biggest thing has been, um, you know, kind of relaxing and, and keep, keeping time for myself, which is not easy because I'm a serial procrastinator. So I always watch Netflix. I, I always hang out, like go out with my friends and stuff. And that's because I just honestly hate doing work. Um, but that's probably one of the biggest tips I would say is that a lot of people um, in these processes, whether it be they're working a lot or they're preparing for them, they oftentimes fall out of touch with who they are and also what they love and, and perhaps even the people that they're really close with. And that is a recipe for just, I would say a bag of mental health problems, to be honest. And um, it, it's, it's really, really bad for you if you do that. Um, what you should think about is that, yes, your job's important, but you got to remember who you are and who you are is that you're comprised of the people who you care about, um, you know, the, the things that you like doing. And of course, the, the issues that you're passionate about, which feeds into hopefully your career and stuff like that. But don't just ignore all of that just because you're, you're either, you've got a job or you're trying to get a job, right? Balance, as it always is said, is, is everything. And I think um, a lot of people just forget about that um, when they're preparing for these processes. And it, 
you will, you know, anyone listening, I think you will definitely realize that you're, you're creating a bunch of problems for yourself if it happens. Yeah, I think that's a very big, like, stoic outlook um, that you've given. Um, basically, just working on yourself, um, blocking outside events. Um, I think what you said about um, if you're faced with the rejection, you kind of just go on to the next one. Um, and yeah. Just focus okay. on the future. Yeah. Did you read a lot of stoic, stoic books or something like that? Or I, like that? I think, like, I mean, I did Latin in year 12, and, like, we learned a bit about oh, yeah. it. And, like, I, I know about it pretty generally. I think it's a pretty... Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty good philosophy to try to understand. Um, so yeah, I, I would say it's I don't really like reading that much, but I'm trying to get back into it. So yeah, yeah, I think um, with your medium articles, um, you you do tend to write a lot, so that's that's a really good bonus. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. do you have any um, thoughts you'd like to give regarding um, the importance of writing? I think that that must be a a big um, aspect for you because I, I, I do see a lot of your medium articles are very yep. in-depth very well thought out um what are the yep. benefits that you see from from writing yeah well i was actually like funny enough i was reading a like a i don't know a lot of people about to yell out at me here but um i was reading a a, a post from jordan peterson yesterday and he was speaking to the importance of um writing um he said that basically yeah, I saw the same if, one i saw the same yeah, one yesterday yeah yeah exactly and so the, the way i paraphrase that and the way i would think about that is that um i have a thought and like in general i just think about things you know for example um i i learned things at university uh, which which are interesting to me you know sampling bias and 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 things like performance evaluation and i think about even behavioral biases and how this is applied to real life and for example, one sample thought that I might have is, well, for example, we learned about risk aversion. How does that apply to investors in the stock market, right? And so I asked myself that question and being curious about that, I want to go, well, how can I expand upon my understanding of this? And so one way would be to just write about it. And I could write about it for myself or I could journal about it or I could, pretty weird thing to journal about, but um, you know, I could research it myself. But ultimately, a really good way of organizing that and then perhaps sharing with people who might be similarly interested, which I know is not a huge amount of people, but it is some people, um, would be to then post it on the internet. And it was a pretty good piece of feedback given to me. Um, once I was applying for a VC, I had no idea about, you know, I was, I was very much um, undermatched and, uh, sorry, I was, I was pretty much underqualified. Um, but one of the pieces of feedback I got was that, you know, continue to work on kind of developing your own thoughts, original thoughts and, and, and posting on the internet because it shows people um, your ability to think and your ability to come up with those original thoughts. And, and so especially, and, you know, many people think about corporates as being kind of boring as just repeating the same processes, but in reality, that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, you're always trying to think of how, what are new ways to innovate. And so, yes, it helps you to structure your thoughts. Yes, it helps you to be a more convincing human being and stand your ground, but it also helps you almost um, solidify your creativity and, and develop that. And that's something which is really important to be able to think original thoughts and then to be able to back them up. Um, and without without writing or without talking about these issues with your friends, it's really hard because oftentimes what you're doing is you're just reading other people's thoughts. You're just, you're just applying things that you know as, as a fact. And that's unfortunately one of the big things we do at university, right? You're, you're learning things which people at the past have researched work and you're learning to just pretty much write about that. It's very unopinionated and especially like in a degree like commerce and that often can lead to problems in the way that you think because it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not creative. It's not 
um, free flowing and it doesn't help. So I think this is probably one of the ways of counteracting that. And I'm not saying the commerce degree is bad, but this is one of the ways of counteracting that kind of um, very much uh, lower order level of thinking, I would say, which is that pretty much yeah. you want to, you're remembering definitions someone else has given you and, and you're applying them yourself. You want to think originally that that would be helpful. You did mention the, the benefits of, of creative thinking um, yeah. and not being, um, and formulating your own opinions. Um, it's a bit of an in-depth question, but is there anything that um, you kind of had previously thought uh, was the case um, or as the truth? And then once you wrote about it, you realized, oh, there's a lot more to this subject. Or there's a lot more um, uh, to this concept. Um, for example, I think you talked a lot about the risks and um, how investors look at the stock market and the biases that come with that. Is there anything that you took away from that? that previously you didn't really know about? Um, yeah, I would say um, there's, yeah, like in this example specifically, um, one of the biggest things is, and this is, I know people will hate to hear about this, but um, you know, in economics where one of the big assumptions you're typically taught is that, you know, um, we assume that pretty much all individuals are rational and that if you bring it into the stock market, um, that pretty much says that, well, the only way a person can, you know, a person has a perception of what a fair price is and, you know, a person is going to pretty much on average, they're going to sell too low or they're going to sell too high, but on average, they're going to sell at the right time or they're going to sell flat because, you know, their, their behavior doesn't actually play a role in them um, perceiving the price. Really what plays a role is their perception of the, the, the cash flows of that firm, which are, are randomly distributed, for example. Um, but the problem with that is, is that, it doesn't take into account that people get worried when the stock price goes down and they get excited when the stock price goes up. Yeah. And so that, that is a very common thing, right? And it applied myself. I, I, I almost never sell at a profit. So that, that's, uh, that's probably, I counteract that, but in these markets, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, a lot of people, they sell way too early. Right. And they often, sorry, they, 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 um, yeah, sorry. They sell way too early on the downside and they sell, sorry, they sell way too early on the upside and they sell way too late on the downside, right? And that, that's explained by behavioral theory, right? And so um, that that is something which I think there are a lot of things which are surprisingly useful from uni. And that, that was probably one of the big ones. I think looking apart from that, um, you know, I remember a lot of people um, listening will might know about like, I wrote about Squid Game. That was a super interesting take. And I think it just goes to show that you can have a lot of misconceptions about the way um, things work in society um, if you don't actually have exposure to, 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 to kind of these areas or topics. One of the really interesting areas I learned about was choice feminism and um, in general, just the illusion of choice that minorities suffer from. And, um, and, and so it really impacted my perception of equality in society, for example. So um, most people think that, okay, well, if you give, for example, people who are unemployed, unemployment benefits, or if you give them incentives to get employed, well, then they're going to get employed and they're going to be fine. They're going to integrate well into society. In reality, that is not true at all, right? Um, mm -hmm. In reality, you're presenting them with an option which is going to lead them to still be segregated from the rest of society in such a way that they usually just don't end up doing it anyway. Um, and so um, that was a very, very interesting topic. It applies, like I said, to a lot of minorities and it applies, honestly, especially in developed countries. So um, that was something which is fascinating to me. And I, I didn't think that a TV show would, would take that into account but it definitely did yeah that is a bit of an econometrics question as well um yeah 
classic OVB emitted variable bias. Um, of course. And Everything also, cup, no, absolutely. Um, also, just coupling, staying on the topic of investing, um, uh, you already do tutor a lot. I think you tutor for uh, investments and DevSec Corp. or uh, Corpel. Corpel, Corpel. Um, how do you couple your learnings from uni um, with your investing? Like, is there any takeaways that you have from uni that really do apply to investing and what kind of things don't apply to that? Um, for example, from POF or from CFDM? Um, it's, a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good question. And I think one of the biggest things that people need to understand is that, I mean, I think maybe we're shifting away from this, but in general, uni is not meant to help you with personal investing. And that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people come to uni, like I've done a commerce degree, I have no idea what to invest in. It's like, yes, that's not what they're intending to do to you, right? If you want to go learn how to exactly. invest on YouTube. Okay. Um, in general, it's actually pretty helpful for teaching you principles which should be applied to investing. No one takes them to account, by the way, um, myself included, right? So an example is like, for example, diversification, right? I think one of the things that could be done to help these courses, especially uh, contextualize this with personal investing is that uh, the reason why diversification is found so important, especially for young investors, because majority of young investors lose money, right? Yeah. And so diversification is a way of basically um, hedging the, the, the extra risk, which a lot of people are taking with these alternative investments, right? And being someone who invests a lot in crypto and stuff like that, I know personally that um, you can be, and like, I'd like to say that I actually know quite a lot about crypto, yet still, I've lost a lot of money on crypto. And the reason for that is because um, I just simply am naive, right? And that's because I'm young, I'm, I have a lack of experience. And that's probably something which, you know, uh, I'm not a uniform course advisor, but if they were to do a course on, for example, investing, it's definitely something which could link with, you know, all the portfolio theory that you learn, even in principle and finance, right? Um, but yeah, I, I would say that honestly, the theory that we learn is usually kind of more applicable to like big, bigger funds. Um, some of them really aren't applicable at all. And then some of them yeah. applicable maybe in, you know, other contexts of um, uh, finance, maybe, you know, when you're doing valuation models, stuff like that. But um yeah, in general, it has been helpful. It gives you a good way of looking at the world um, that you might not have if you're not a commerce student. Some people might argue it's a bad way of looking at the world. Um, I'll leave that up to your interpretation. Now, in that case, would you conclude that the best way to learn about investing is to invest instead of just learning about investing um, and just kind of getting your foot, foot in the door um, and learning from your losses? Like I think you also mentioned a lot about being naive um, with the losses, Do you, is there anything that you think that you've learned from the process and is that the best way to, to go about it? Um, so first of all, I don't conclude anything. I'm definitely not the right person to be uh, saying anything about this. My, my probably personal experience would be that, um, especially as a uni student, right? One of the biggest things I would give as a piece of advice to any person starting out in uni is that, you know, have a part-time job um, and, you know, make some money on the side so that you can have fun. You know, the biggest turnoff is when someone, you know, you, you ask someone to, you go out with like a, I don't know, as, as a bunch of friends or something. And they say, oh, I'm sorry, bro. Like I, I can't afford it or something like that. And like, obviously, you know, sometimes that happens, right? Like I've said that yeah. too, but it's like, 
you you should be able to be financially free enough to enjoy your university time. Like it's a great time and you shouldn't be held back by, you know, your finances. So and it's not that hard to, you know, get a part-time job and, and integrate, especially alongside like something like a BCom degree where actually getting a part-time job can help you in terms of your opportunities. Um, so investing, I would say, if you're going to invest, um, my, my personal uh, experience would say that reading these sources, most young investors tend to fail. So go in, you know, I would probably say, despite how annoyed I am by this, probably try to diversify a lot. Try not to try probably devote a very small part of your portfolio to your own stock picks um, because overwhelmingly you're going to, you're probably going to fail. Some people are going to do well. And this is again, the point that um, I, I've made multiple times over and over. Lots of people think about who do I know that's made money from stocks? Because everyone that's made money from stocks tells their friends, but no one that loses make look very few people who lose money from their stock tell their friends, right? No one talks like, about their losses. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, and so you get the kind of misaligned perception that oh, this guy's making ten times his salary yeah, in stocks. Yeah. But you forget that so many people have gone bankrupt. So many people have lost, you know, 10, 15 years of their savings on a stupid stock play, which maybe someone else made money on, but you know, you got to look at that. And on average, right. The, and this is where the theory comes back in again. You know, you, you're not going to, uh, on average, you're probably going to fail. Right. Yeah. And so, like I said, going back to the point, just the, the point to invest is that, you know, you just have a little bit of extra money on the side um, by the time you graduate. So you can travel, so you can enjoy yourself. You can um, go out with your mates, but it's, you know, I can't emphasize the importance enough of that statement, which is that don't afford money. You can't invest, uh, you can't afford to lose um because it, it, it's again you know once you lose it that's where emotions start coming in right when you're investing to make money then you're really biased because you're really yeah. loss averse right and you're you're really you love gain so the moment you make a gain you're just going to sell and this goes back to that behavioral theory but it's true right and that just does not happen if you're investing money you don't need so that's why, for example, if you have a 90% portfolio of maybe ETFs and 10% of crypto or you know, whatever stock you want to invest in, it helps because you know for a fact that the worst that could ever happen, if you have a $10,000 portfolio, is you'll lose $1,000 rather than $10,000, which is yeah. a much better safeguard and you're far less emotionally biased. And I think there's actually a lot of evidence to, to suggest that too. So um, I, I know that was a very long answer to your question, but hopefully that answers it. No, the disclaimer to the audience, this is not financial advice, but um but do Definitely do not. take it do take it uh, into consideration. Um but as a whole, um investing is a great platform to start in, just hopping right in. Um knowing that you lose money, you win money. Um it'll be a great experience to to learn more about it. Um also with regards to travel, I believe you are gonna go traveling a lot. Um, both within Melbourne and and outside through exchange, um, what what kind of prompted you to to go and do that, and what kind of benefits do you see yourself getting from these experiences? Um, well, I think I'm gonna have a lot of fun, so I think that's probably the the, the biggest one. Um, I think I'll be able to first of all like meet really great people, which is or, or uh, new people. Like I think you can meet really great people anywhere, but I think I'm going to meet new people. And most importantly, I'm probably going to face very new experiences that um, kind of shock me. Um, which, that's a really weird way of saying it, but like kind of, I think that one of the best ways of learning is putting yourself, it's almost like jumping in an ice bath where like you're completely unfamiliar with your surroundings, but 
over time you become more familiar with it. And I think that's very much the case with, for example, before exchange, I'm also like traveling by myself for a certain period of time. Um, you know, I've never really done that before. And um, I'm also, you know, in exchange, I'm going to be probably living by myself and I'm probably going to be managing that. Again, I haven't done that because I live at home uh, with my parents right now. And so I think the culmination of these experiences means a great learning experience. Um, and it's ultimately a learning experience, which I think everyone needs to understand is not necessarily something you can get in a, in a job, right? It's, and becoming a more well-rounded person is far more important than becoming a well-rounded employee. Um, I think. And so learning these things and learning how to just manage your own shit, honestly, um, is something which I, I hope that I'll learn apart from having my, having a lot of fun too um, and kind of seeing the world because that's something obviously I do want to do. Um, not even before I start my grad role, but like I do want to do just over time. And so that's, this is probably a good start. Yeah, no, I'm sure it'll be a great experience for you. Um, yeah. Traveling the world, going to Toronto, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, just hanging out with mates, but also getting a lot of experiences uh, for yeah. the future. Um, just to sort of wrap things up, um, do you have any plans for the future? And do you have anything else that you'd like to give to the audience with regards to um, life after uni, extracurricular activities, time management, anything along those lines? Um, I, would, uh, I don't really think so. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's been a very interesting chat. Um, yeah, I, I think I've said most of what I have to say, but it's career related. Um, probably the, the, the last thing that I mentioned is that, um, you know, with university, um, probably like, yeah, just just like we've been through, first of all, a very difficult few years um, for those of you who have been, I mean, regardless of whether you've been in uni in lockdown or, um, sorry, it, sorry, you've been in uni or been in high school in lockdown, it's been a tough time for all of us. Um, so take it easy. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things is that a lot of people will, um, have this kind of perception that, you know, getting rejected by one job actually means something. And it's a big thing, uni clubs, especially when you're surrounded around everyone who's just doing so well. Um, and, you know, there was a point at which I was like that. There was a point at which, you know, my friends were in exactly the same situation. And, you know, just like focus on, you know, just understanding what you want to do and ultimately who you are as a person. And remember um, you being rejected by a club or a job or even a person, whatever it might be, doesn't change who you are as a person. Um, and so that's that's probably one of the things, biggest inducers of anxiety, I would say, that people just often think about, oh, now I'm less of a person because I failed this process. And it sucks. It really feels shit. I can tell you that personally, right? Where I've been really gunning for an interview and I don't even get an interview, right? I'm like, what could possibly be the reason for this? It doesn't matter, right? It, it doesn't matter. You'll never find out. Maybe you'll find out, but you'll probably never find out and just move on to the next one right um and so yeah i think most importantly you're not going to be in uni forever um you're not going to be around your friends and people your own age who, who are this lovely forever right and so enjoy the enjoy the experience and i'm sure um you're all going to be very fine um i guess just like me right now yeah that's some some amazing insights to pair. um yeah, yeah, no yeah you're definitely get, definitely going to be going places with all those insights um and and the way you're going at the moment um thank you thank you so much for coming on um it's been a really insightful uh in-depth chat um we'll uh possibly have you on another time as well perhaps once you're down the mckinsey route or you know down the startup route but uh yeah no enjoy your travels uh and thank you so much for coming on thank you mate it was really good chatting to you